Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of For the Love of Books Library Plus podcast. I'm Jo. And I'm Phil. And we had such a great interview with Rachel Lindsay from Belinda Audio that we couldn't just cut it down for our episode four podcast. We thought we'd release the whole interview as a bonus podcast for Libraries Week. It was just fascinating, wasn't it, Phil? There was nothing you could cut out. I learned so much about Borrow Box, how to use it. The title, she's obviously very, very well read. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. Fascinating. Yeah. There were some fantastic recommendations from Rachel, as well as a sneak peek of a book that's coming out in November. So without further ado, let's welcome back Rachel Lindsay. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks How for are you both? We're good. We're really pleased to be joined by you. So you work for Belinda Audio, which powers Borrowbox, which is one of our main e-reads platforms. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I work for Belinda Audio. So we're, we're a massive uh, global publisher of, of audiobooks, which is, and so I've been working for Belinda for probably about four years. I've always been in publishing of one shape or another, lots of children's publishing. But I have always been a big listener. Um, of audiobooks and so it's been a genuine pleasure for me to be able to actually work for an audiobook publisher. I don't listen to that many audiobooks but Phil has Uh been a lot um, through this fully booked reading challenge you've been finding them really useful haven't you? Yeah they they used to I used to (laughs) sounds really bad I used to find that if I sat down to listen to them I generally nod off but since doing this podcast with Joe. Um, I've really come round to audiobooks. I mean, I I drive quite a bit, so I put them on if I'm driving to different libraries. And I sometimes find I get home and sit on my drive for another five minutes because I can't stop listening to the bit I'm listening to. So I've really come round to to audiobooks as to to be a really really useful medium for books, really for, for when you can't physically read them. It's an interesting one, isn't it? And, and I think the audiobook industry has gone through a really interesting evolution, actually, over pre- perhaps the last sort of 10 years. Because I think, you know, if you go back sort of 20 years or so, it was something that you'd do if you couldn't read the book. It would kind of be your second choice. Um, the books didn't necessarily come out at the same time as the print books. But nowadays, particularly in the last sort of five, six years, the desire of the, the market for audiobooks has absolutely exploded. And nowadays you get, th- when things are hitting the shelf in hardback, that, you know, they're, they're often coming out in, in audiobook at the same time. You've got celebrity narrators. And I think I think perhaps the smartphone has, has been a big part of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think tech has for me. Yeah, yeah the technolo- yeah. technological developments because you know when you had the um, audio books where there were CDs and you could have multiple CDs, couldn't you, for one for one book if it was a long novel, it, and obviously they could get scratched. So easy now to get an audio book. You were yeah. saying about the publishing of them, though. Do you are you reaching the point where books are going to audio book without actually having a physical publication because of the the, the way the market's moving? Uh, we did have that, particularly during lockdown. Some publishers, what they were doing is they were sort of having to defer publication of the print books because of various logistical problems. And actually they were coming out in audio before it was out in any other format at all. Oh, yeah. um, and we definitely, we also have some publishing of our own where it's coming out just in audio. And I think what, what I find fascinating is 
sometimes books are they they're, they're a big hit in audio before they are necessarily in print so you can actually there's a crime detective writer called joy ellis she's massive in audio lj ross is massive in audio as well um, and then the print has kind of followed from that. So you, you are finding that the market for audiobooks is so big now that you can, that, that actually can be the first format. Wow, for, for I didn't know book. that. That's really yeah, cool. it's yeah. not, it's very, very mainstream. And I think the fact that people have got it in their pocket means that it's with you wherever you go. So I was chatting to my husband about this last night and he was saying, for him, he's not a, he is not a print reader at all. He's a car mechanic. He also builds houses. Wow. He would not, it would never, ever enter his head to pick up a print book. But he will listen to a Jack Reacher book in, in, in audio. And I was saying, why is that? And he said, really, partly it's because I haven't got to remember it. It's with me because I've always got my phone. And also it means that it's just much more relaxing and more fun for me. So there's something about the listening that means it's more accessible for a lot of people. In lockdown, a lot of people took up listening. It's really, really gone yeah. really mainstream. And actually, I think there were some studies done last year which found that listening to audiobooks makes up like a th typically a third of the weekly reading habits in the UK. Wow, that's a, a massive yeah. increase, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think we've picked up on that, though, during lockdown. Yeah. Um, we, we'd... We kind of got that impression from from libraries and, and from staff that yeah. that was the way it was going because people love the reading. But if you can't physically do it, you know, there are other ways of I doing think it's, it. You know, that is one slight positive for, of coronavirus that, <laughs> that, that people have. Yeah, I mean, that they have discovered e-reads that, you know, people that might have been reluctant to try it before, be it audio or e-books. Um, they have, didn't have much of a choice if they wanted to get the, the latest book. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the convenience, because I've had a digital book club title and I started it as an ebook um, on BorrowBox. And I got so far and I needed to talk about it on the podcast the next day. And I was driving back from my holiday and I couldn't read it. So I then switched partway through from reading it on the ebook to then listening to the, the audio. <laughs> So that Incredible. was really convenient. So you've literally just compared the two experiences. Yes. Yeah, that just goes to show. Yeah, and people definitely, they get through a lot more if you're listening. It means for some people that they can read in a world where they just didn't have the time to read at all before. So I think what's happened certainly for, for younger people, the audio publishing now has meant people who would not otherwise have picked up a book at all in any format now are accessing full books mm. and I think it's having kind of a chicken and egg effect as well because the more people who are listening to books on their on their smartphones or tablets the more that encourages publishers to release their titles in audio mm. so now like the huge range of, of titles that's available that also then fuels people's desire to listen to things because I think Last year, one of the biggest areas in growth is things like self-development, self-improvement, self-help, yeah. history, popular science, um, children's audio, too. So it's mm. those those kinds of areas which maybe traditionally wouldn't have existed in audio before now are 
and now are there. So somebody like my son, who's 20, he's just gone off to university. He now, he's reached for books that will help his studies in audio. So he's had to read um, Niccolò Machiavelli's um, The Prince. So he's got that in audio. So he's accessing like his set texts in that way. And so the thing, and the things he'd want to read are, you know, radically different to the sorts of things I want to listen to. Yeah. So I, I just find it fascinating. So I think for me, it's the range as well that's out there that just simply just didn't exist, perhaps even five years ago. Do you have any many academic books that would be on on audio, or is it something that they might go towards? No, they definitely exist um, for sure. So. Um, Things like he, we have a series called Belinda Beginner Guides, um, Philosophy of Religion or Philosophy of Mind. So my son would have, he, he borrowed those to get into kind of the basics. But he'll, he's doing philosophy and politics. So he'd also listen to things like um, Ian McEwan did a satire on Brexit recently called The Cockroach. So he would listen to that. Um, he also things like 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, those kinds of books. Um, so I don't know whether you'd say they're academic, but they're certainly popular. popular they support style. academic study, yeah, which is just yes. as important. Yeah. yeah. And then it also opens up um, avenues to lots of people who want to read for pleasure as well. And I know that Borrowbox and Belinda have been really supportive of our fully booked adult reading challenge. And um, we've created shelves with your help, I believe, on Borrow Box of other titles for our mini challenges. So we've got our two suggested titles each month, but yeah. then there's other other titles that would fit that criteria that we've got. So it's great the way um, with the apps and things, again, the technology, that you can you can lay things out in that way that make it really easy for people. Yeah, absolutely. We've got Band Books Week coming up soon as well. Yes. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? I love that. I love that because some of the titles that you you don't expect. I remember some years back discovering that Northamptonshire Libraries back in the 30s, 20s, 30s, banned All Quiet on the Western Front. Why? Because it's a pacifist one and you're, you're gearing up, I wow. presume they were gearing up for... The, the German aggression that was, right. you know, that was yeah. building up. Oh. So, and you know, you 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 normally think of banned books as, as being either sexually provocative or dealing with topics that are controversial. Yeah. But to find that was a banned book really surprised me. Yeah. Um, so I, I constantly, I love looking out for those banned books titles. Yeah. And also, we've got Libraries Week in October, which um, Borrow Books is sponsoring this year. Yeah, we are. It's lovely, isn't it? It's an Libraries Week is um, happens every year, and um, this year it's happening on the fourth to the tenth of October, and it's just a national chance to celebrate all of the thing, the different, surprising, innovative ways that public libraries impact our daily lives. So of, yeah. often, way things that are hidden in plain sight. Um, and, and libraries really play a central role in, in driving inclusion, sustainability, social mobility, commun community cohesion. So for us at Borrowbox, we want to we support and celebrate all of those fabulous things. Yeah. Um, I, for me, it's, it's when people say library, some people think immediately of a building. But for me, library means so much more than that. It's... Um, Somebody who's housebound, being able to access deliveries of books to their home, 
mm. when they can't leave the house and having a chat with a real person mm. it's having having um being part of a reading group where the book really is just an excuse to, yeah. to chat to yeah. others we've seen um, that on a few groups it's more a social group <laughs> yeah. With, yeah with a book attached to it yeah and i think from a from barbox perspective it's been fabulous over, particularly in the last year i've been blown away by all of the different feedback and comments and messages of thanks that we've had mm. from readers saying thank you so much you've no idea this has actually got me through a really tough time you've no idea the ability for me to access all of these books yeah um, from home has genuinely kept me going mm. um we also get lovely messages of thanks for people who really enjoy things like the dyslexic settings yeah just the the fact that the book can be got from home at any yeah. point and just the range of titles that are on there it, so the messages of thanks have been really quite just yeah. we, we've we've had that as well that, that say, we, yeah. e-reads are, are, yeah. have been a lifeline to people dur- during the pandemic definitely and it, we've also used Borrowbox uh, as a way of trying to promote social interaction to try and reduce social isolation during lockdown. So, you know, people couldn't leave their houses. They, the libraries were closed, but we launched our digital book club um, to try and use Borrowbox as a way of people borrowing the books and then interacting on social media and talking about the books. And even if people didn't actually comment, they could see what other people would think. And it's just trying to promote that bit of social, even though they could socialise in the library. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, those connections will continue as well now that they've been formed. You know, it'd be interesting to see if the changes remain and if we move that way, Um, because I very much think we will do. It's a way of um, feeling part of something. I say, yeah. even if people don't even look at the social media, they know that they're reading this book that everyone else is reading, so they're still feeling part of something. Absolutely, it's very inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's including people no matter where they are geographically. You know, in in time and space, it means that everybody can everybody can borrow and everybody can read and listen. Very accessible. And I think the other way that libraries are helping things like diversity and inclusion is is it's just a very basic thing it's just making sure that everybody can see themselves in the stock that's Mm. being offered and the books the stories that are being told um so it's making sure that the you know the collection is is really diverse and inclusive and there are lots of lots of diverse voices being heard so we've got um some great titles coming up up for libraries week which will be available on a kind of um, no waiting model we've got some great books from authors of really well-renowned acclaimed authors of color uh, my favorite is the nickel boys which won the pulitzer prize yeah. last year i would really really would check that out that's by carlson whitehead mm-hmm. um and it's it's all about two young boys in the southern states of america in the 1960s who come from average families, and but they get themselves in a bit of a mess. They get accused of um, shoplifting, and so they get taken into a, ball, a young person's borstal. And it, it's two friends who get taken into this home, and um, they're both black. And the story's all about how they cope with the different challenges in this, in this borstal, um, and how they, they, they face various abuses and challenges. And one of the young men deals with he his icon is Martin Luther King 
Mm-hmm. So he deals with these challenges in a peaceful way. And his friend, his icon is, is Malcolm X. So he deals with the challenges in, in a more um, assertive way. So it's looking yes, at sir. the two ways of dealing with the challenges. So what I love is, yes, it's fiction, but it's exploring things that, you know, a lot of us are facing and a lot of us are, are, are trying to make changes for the better. So I think we mustn't forget that the books themselves are, are changing lives. You know, the more the more we read about different uh, people's experiences, the more we we set, step inside other people's shoes, the better people we are, the more we're able to empathise with other people. Yeah. We had this conversation earlier because one of the books we'd read was um, Still Alice. Oh, um, yeah. And I'd, I knew of it, but I hadn't really wanted to read it, but I did for, you know, for our podcast. Oh, yeah. um, and I said to Joe, it, it, even though it's a fictional account of, a, of an illness, it, it was massively, it made such an impact on me oh. to realise that, you know, you don't need to read self-help books or, you no. know, non-fiction books on medical conditions. A fiction book was just as good for mm. giving me the insights into it yeah. Just reading a self-help one and, and that was a, a massive learning curve for me uh, as I said to Joe about yeah. it fascinating isn't it I mean yeah I, I listened to Do- Ghosts by Dolly Alderton recently um, which again is fiction and it's about a young woman I think she's kind of like in her late 20s and her dad is suffering from dementia and it's all about the, the strategy she well it's not all about it it's like a side story about how the the different strategies she employs to cope with her dad's changing um changing perspective on life and what works and how her mum copes with it as well and then and it's also interwoven with her her dating experiences online so it's all about how she's dating a man via these via the dating apps and then but there's always this risk that he's going to ghost her so he's going to he's going to just stop talking to her all of a sudden so for me I'm not up against either of those challenges right now, but it made me understand what my 28-year-old niece is going through in a, in a dating world that I would, would can't really conceive, you know, <laughs> a world where somebody could engage with you and then just stop talking to you all of a sudden. And equally, um, the kind of challenges of what it's like to have somebody in your family um, suffering from dementia. So like you were saying, Phil, um, that is as useful to me as listening to listening or reading to a you know kind of a straightforward yeah. non-fiction book yeah yeah absolutely yeah so our, our other um, mini challenge that we've been talking about today is a genre you wouldn't usually read so i'm just interested uh we had a bit of a bust up about this so just <laughs> wondered what um what genre you wouldn't normally read or what on the flip side what's your favorite genre well I I need to challenge myself really. Mm. I don't. It's 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 a scandal really. I work for it and obviously an audiobook publisher, but I don't tend to listen to award winning things and slightly more literary things. Mm. But one thing I did listen to not long ago um, was a book called The Bass Rock by Evie Wilde, and the only reason I listened to it was because. It was of who the narrator was. So the narrator was an actress called Julie Graham. She's a Scottish actress. She's yeah. one of these actresses that, like, you see on a lot of yeah, British crime. Yeah, do you know who you know who yeah, I mean? Totally. So the fact, the very fact that it was her voice made me listen to it. So she drew me in, um, and she was actually only one of a few narrators. But 
that made me listen to a much more highfalutin book than I otherwise would have ever read. I love, I actually really loved it. And so that opened up my mind to just, I, I tend to, I'm, I tend to get stuck in a rut listening to kind of psychological crime thrillers, you know, family dramas, Lisa Jewell, uh, Lisa Gardner, those kinds of things. Um, I recently listened to The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce, for example. Yeah. Um, so th those kinds of things. But I found that because I fancied listening to the narrator, that's opened up things for me. And I I have a suggestion, actually. I have a recommendation for, for, for listeners, if you're interested. I have found a real passion for um, kind of true crime in audio, but not necessarily just sort of straightforward true crime, but there's this lovely, there's, a, there's some fabulous books which are kind of historical true crime. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a big fan of uh, people like, uh, writers like Kate Summerscale. So she wrote, um, you can check out on Box The Wicked Boy, which is all about two boys in Victorian times who's who are accused of murdering their parents so they're you know like they're like under 10 and it's looking forensically at exactly what they did and the and the court case after wow. so I find that really fascinating yeah I like um, the sound of that I'm, gonna, I'm making notes now as you're talking uh, <laughs> um another one in that genre was is um the five by Hallie Rubenhold I was just <gasps> about to say that because um, we ran the Full Love of Books reading challenge previously oh, for, for a year. And uh -huh. The Five was one of our suggested titles for a non-fiction book. And I didn't really read yeah. non-fiction books. That, that would have been one of my genres I don't usually read. Um, uh -huh. But I read The Five and I absolutely loved that book. And I'm sure I've spoken about this on, on this podcast series yeah. before. Yeah, I really, really love it. So when you were talking about the previous book, I was thinking, oh, I think I'd enjoy that because I love The Five it's it's really really good yeah so I listened to the five and um just really really I don't know why it's so fascinating I think it's kind of narrative non-fiction but it's just really intriguing to see how those five women ended up in a place where Jack the Ripper could get his hands on them so it's, mm. I was struck by how alcohol really played a um a part in all of the, the five women's vulnerability so mm. you know that's been dogging people for centuries that yeah. it really has so yeah no that's really fascinating another one which is along those same lines um is the murder of harriet monkton by elizabeth haynes okay. so she normally writes crime thrillers which is kind of partly why i found this book but again it's about a, a true crime it's 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 true it's a true crime story set in victorian times i would totally check that out I've also found fascinating. Have you come across Ambrose Parry's books? No. It's a no, it's a husband and wife author pairing. So they write under the name of Ambrose Parry and they write that the series is called The Way of All Flesh. And it's about physicians, again, in the Victorian times. Who, so doctors who are treating people, mm -hmm. but it's fiction. But you see how they discovered an anaesthetic Oh. Um, and, and all of these things you see different surgical techniques so it's really really fascinating so I love it when you can learn about things that have really happened yeah but and you've also got the pace and thrill of kind of like a story as well so it's kind of I would really really recommend those 
And lastly, there's a book coming up, which I'm super excited about. It's not publishing until November. Okay. But it's a bit of an interesting one. And it's a bit, it kind of ties in with the Libraries Week theme as well of, of diversity and including everybody. It's a book called The Hidden Case of Ewan Forbes. And it's written by Zoe Playden. It's publishing in November. And it's all about the transgender trial that threatened to upend the British establishment. So this is an interesting one. So it's all about a, a man called Ewan Forbes, who's born in 1912. Mm -hmm. He's born, actually, is Elizabeth Forbes. But throughout um, his childhood and early years, he knows that he's been assigned the wrong gender at birth. And because he's from a wealthy family, he has the privilege of actually being able to access hormone therapy in Europe. So in the 1930s, wow. he goes over to Europe and has hormone therapy to, ch to change him physically. And it's only because they've got the money that they, could, they, can, they can do that, really. So his family are really wealthy. They have ties to the, they're a big part of the aristocracy. They've got ties to the royal family. So the story is, is going to tell us all about those kind of links too. And yeah. um, so you've got that kind of interesting thing. But actually in the 1930s, he had the hormone therapy and he also changed his gender on his birth certificate. And so back in those days, it was actually legal to do that. And it, oh. it, was, it was fairly easy to do it. So even if you hadn't had a full physical transformation, you could change your gender on your birth certificate. So he did that. And then he lived for sort of 55 years um, as a man, as, as, you know, as he felt he should be. And um, people around him were supportive. No, no real problems. Uh, but then you fast forward to 1965. And Ewan is then set to inherit the family estate. So he's going to be, he's, he's going to inherit the family title. Yeah. He's become a baron. He's going to inherit this big, big loads of money, this huge estate. And he's got a cousin who up until this point has been fairly affable. But his cousin contests the will, the inheritance, on the grounds that Ewan was born a woman who was born Elizabeth. So he says, in those days, um, a, a woman couldn't inherit, you see. Mm. So, so because he changed um, his birth, birth certificate, he was a man. He'd been living as a man. So legally, he was a man. So this is all, this book is actually about the legal court proceedings that happened in the 60s, wow. where Ewan had to, had to prove that he was legally a man. It also investigates kind of who can inherit and what and why. And what's fascinating is this court case was so dangerous and transformative that it was actually, the court case was, files were closed. So no, so it was totally hush-hushed and you, they weren't a matter of public records. So you couldn't access what happened in the, in the proceedings until recently. So the, um, so what's happened is the author she um, has been instrumental in getting these court records opened up, but this has only happened in recent years. And so she's been studying all of the proceedings. She's written a book about this legal case. And the person who's reading it is, is Rebecca Root. So she's actually a trans actor. And the, the author, she's actually a co-founder of um, Stonewall. She is the co-chair of Gay and Lesbian Association of Doctors. 
And she, back in 1994, also co-founded the Parliamentary Forum on Gender Identity, which was how she's managed to push through a claim to Parliament that we should have access to the court documents. Right. So for me, that, that is a prime example of how I'm fascinated by the legal aspect of things. Mm. And of things ties in with my love of things like the five. But mm. that's going to give me the ability, I think, to understand what people are, uh, people are going through. Yeah. What trans people are up against. Um, which is not necessarily something I would necess- I would automatically um, gravitate towards. So, you know, I'm excited about that. So that's Yeah, that's, no, that's that sounds really exciting. It's good to uh, sneak peek yeah. into that one. Don't give us too many choices. We struggle <laughs> to pick books as it is. Uh, well, there's, listen, there's over 9,000 e-books available on, in the Northamptonshire uh, Borrow Box collection. There's over 6,000 e-audio titles um, so there's plenty, plenty to choose from. So what I'd say about audio in particular is give something a go, you know, give it, a, get, get, try something new. Mm-hmm. And equally, if you're somebody who thinks I don't li- like to listen, try, try it because you'll be surprised and you'll find that boring jobs like hanging out the washing. Yeah. <laughs> become a lot more interesting. Well, as it's, it's interesting that you said that you chose a book based on the narrator because... Yeah. I listen a lot, but to podcasts, um, and I don't normally listen to that many um, audio books because in the olden days, I didn't really get on with the narrators necessarily. But now, like as you said, you've got household names narrating, really good actors and actresses narrating these stories that maybe I should give it another try. It'd be good if yeah. I could sort of search by narrator. You can, you can, you absolutely you can. can. <gasps> yeah, totally. And if you find a narrator you like on Borrowbox, if you just click on their name, it'll show you other books that they've narrated. There wow. you go. See, so I've learned every day. Every day's a school day. Oh, That's I'm an converted. interesting, interesting <laughs> question. Is how do you pick your narrators? How how do you pick who reads the book? It's got to be somebody who's representative of the story for a start. So they've got to be able to bring that story to life so they've got that the way they dramatize it it's got to be appropriate okay yeah it's got to be clear and easy to understand not be too fast not be too slow they've got to be likable they've got to be easy on the ear but clear um i think the ability to do lots of different accents and voices is always a help as well but i think above all what we're trying to do i mean we've got somebody whose sole job is to do the casting of, of the voices um so so for example for that book the hidden case of your thoughts we've worked really really hard to find the right person rebecca root to do the narration for that while celebrity narrators and we've got lots of them are important um we've got dawn french reading some picture books for giles andre picture books for example that's fabulous but actually having a person who um, is bringing the story to life is the best, mm. is, is more important to us than that. Mm. There was a gentleman, um, there was a gentleman some years back that used to have uh, audio books. He used to like crime ones, but he, yeah. he didn't like a female narrator. He said, because hearing a lady swear uh, disturbed him. So he would only have male narrators for crime books. Yeah, I, and I can, I can imagine that. I think people do come in with, visions like that but I think what I'd say is on Borrowbox just hit the preview button yeah and listen to a bit of the voice because you'd be surprised I always used to have a thing I always used to think that I didn't like American voices so it's kind of like my deep dark secret but 
not anymore. I it's found not. that's not true. I found that's not true. It's about the person himself. And I remember yeah. I listened to a book. I revisited a book recently and I was like, I don't remember this being set in America. So I'd obviously totally tuned out mm. the fact that it was an American voice. The right, the right voice is the right voice. So I'd just say, try that preview button. Well, and, I didn't even know there was a preview button. So <laughs> Oh, there you go. So yeah, it's specifically for that. Yeah. So that you can listen to the voice. Because you're absolutely right. The the, the the narrator can make or break it. And yeah. and I'm I think off, it's a really I'm off to go and play on Borrow Box now. I am, it, can yeah. you can you finish this podcast on your own? I'm gonna go and play. <laughs> oh guys. <laughs> no, we've definitely learned a lot. And thank you so much, Rachel. You know, you taught us about Borrow Box and you've taught us about uh, giving us some highlights of some books to yeah, try. Absolutely. So yeah. it's no been worries. brilliant to talk to Can you. Can I just give a little shout out? You, what you don't realise is I'm actually a Wellingborough girl. Ah. Bob. Yay. So I was actually born in Kettering and brought up oh, in wow. Wellingborough. So I'd like to give a big shout out to everybody in 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 the Wellingborough, I went to um, Our Lady's Catholic Primary School. Um, so big shout out to uh, to everybody in the Wellingborough area, and I hope you're in, enjoying Borabox. Ah, small world, Rachel. I was going to say absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for having me on. Oh no, thank you for joining us, and thanks for being so supportive of Northamptonshire Library. Yep, and continue to enjoy your reading. I will, likewise. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. So that really, really was such a fantastic and interesting conversation with Rachel. We're so lucky to have her as a podcast guest. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Big, big thank you to her. And we hope that you're enjoying Libraries Week. You're finding your own way to celebrate all things libraries. And we'll join you in November with the next episode of the Love of Books Library Plus podcast. Can't wait. Please do like and subscribe and tell all your friends. Bye. Bye.